Merry Christmas once again, and we are so very glad that you have made it to be here tonight. And, uh, you know, it's Christmas Eve, and I think it might be really good for us all right now just to take a real deep breath and kind of relax, right? Because there's been a lot of stress in all of our lives, so why don't we just do that together? Just breathe in and then breathe out. Just kind of experience the peace of Christmas in a physical way, because you're here tonight, and... You're all ready. Everything's purchased. All the gifts are there. They're all wrapped. Everything's done. You have nothing more to do, right? <laughs> How many of you, you have at this moment purchased all of your gifts, every, everything? Would you raise your hands? Okay, that's most everybody. How many of you have not purchased all your gifts and you're heading to Target after the service right now? <laughs> Usually the only hands that get raised are men, I've noticed over the years. And so, well, I want to talk to you tonight um, about... One of my favorite things to do at Christmas, and that is guessing what I'm going to get. And this started a long time ago for me. I think like for many of you, you know, when I was a kid, it's just so much fun, isn't it, to go get to the tree when no one else is there, your parents aren't paying attention, and you get your presents, and then you try to figure out from the shape of the box what they are. And if you can't tell that, what do you do next? You shake them, right? You, you want to know what, what your presents are ahead of time. This is a, a thing that I think so many little kids do. In, in fact, I just need to check. How many of you have ever done that in your life? You've tried to do that. Um, you put your hands down. How many of you are 60 years old and you've done that this year? Um, <laughs> you still do that. You still do that. Well, um, I think we have a lot of experts. And I thought we'd kind of start off with something a little fun, since you're all so good at guessing um, I want to see if you can guess some presents that we have wrapped here inside of this gift box, and especially the kids, okay? I'm inviting the kids ahead of time. Just feel free, kids, to, like, shout out when you think you know what these gifts are. And I'm going to tell you also that some of these are really easy, okay? We're not going to stress you out too much to see if you can guess what this gift is right here. Okay, football, all right, football. This is a football and some of you would be excited to get this gift. Um, we'll give you another chance to guess, uh, see if you can get this. And this might be a little bit harder. I don't know. It's a golf club, actually a putter. All right. Um, if you're interested in that, um, some of you would be real excited to get that. This next one is definitely for kids. And some of you kids are hoping this is what you get. Can you guess? How did you guess? I'm surprised you knew so easily. So, well, we don't want to just uh, we don't want to just show gifts for kids because we have parents here. We do have adults in the room, and so what are some things that adults might like uh, to receive? So, guess about this one right here. It's Martinelli's. This is church people, okay? <laughs> and then I have one in here right now. Actually, I'll just tell you honestly. I hope I do not get this this year. Um, some of you would feel the same way. Some of you might not. But what do you think this is? This is a fruitcake. Anybody want it? I, you know. If you want the fruitcake, come up after the service. We'll let you have it. You know, there's few people that like to eat fruitcake. Um, well, uh, this, these next couple are actually a little bit harder to figure out. You can't tell by the box by looking at it, so you have to do the shake thing, right, okay? So I'm gonna, hopefully you can listen. Some of you are so smart, you know what it is just by looking, right? But let's listen. 
This is a jigsaw puzzle, okay? You can tell. And I, I think some of you shouted out what this one actually is already. This is another one. That we're going to have to shake it. So, Legos. Legos. So, there's a lot of good things people get that they try to figure out what they're getting by shaking or feeling and all of that. And some of your parents know you're going to do that. And so some of your parents or some of your family members, they will wrap the gifts in such a way that you can't guess, right? Has anybody ever taken a fairly small gift and put it in a really big box, stuffed it full of newspaper so they wouldn't know what was there? Um, and, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, sometimes people have a really big box with a really small gift inside. And I was thinking, what if you would do like the opposite? What if you could wrap up like the smallest Christmas present ever, get the smallest box that you could find, and then wrap up inside that small, tiny box, somehow magically, a very, very large gift. What if it was inside, say, a tiny little box like this? What if somehow you could have a little box like this and open the box up and out would come a full-size Porsche 911 Carrera luxury sports car. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Well, here's why I painted that picture for you. In a way, this is exactly what happened that first Christmas, exactly what we are celebrating tonight. Because that very first Christmas present was actually the biggest, the greatest, the, the most amazing gift that anyone could possibly ever imagine, and yet it came wrapped in the tiniest package. Tonight I want us to think about and kind of examine and, and maybe unwrap what this present is about by looking at some different verses in the Bible under this title, Unwrapping the Christmas Presents, because Christmas really is about God's gift to us, about God's present which is his presence, that he has come to us in the person of his son, Jesus. Now, if you like, you might have noticed there's a place where you can write some notes down in your program, or you can just listen. But here's the first thing that we should know as we unwrap God's gift at Christmas, and that is the surprise of God's gift. We see this in a familiar verse in the Gospel of Matthew. It's chapter 2, verse 1. And I would love for us to read this verse all together out loud. And especially you kids, you feel free to join in. But let's read God's word together. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, Some of you might say, well, I already know that. I've heard that before. But you're probably not picturing what the people who first heard these words, first read these words, were thinking about when they heard the words Bethlehem and Herod in the same sentence. See, there was something that instantly came to their minds when they heard these words because King Herod had not too long before built a magnificent castle on a mountain just outside of Bethlehem on top of this volcano-shaped hill. And this was a mountain that, that loomed over, towered over Bethlehem. Its shadow would cover the village of Bethlehem in the morning. Uh, this next picture, you see the ruins of, of this, this place. It's called the Herodium, named after Herod. And it was just a few years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem that Herod 
had thousands of slaves scrape all of the dirt off of a nearby hill, haul it over to this other hill, build on top of that hill, making literally like a mountain out of a molehill. And he did it just to prove that he could. Herod wanted to impress and Herod wanted to empower, uh, overpower everyone from this fortress which loomed over this tiny village. Now we're just seeing the ruins here, but in its glory, there was a castle on top. Herod's Herodium, in a sense, was kind of like the, the giant box under the tree that doesn't really have very much inside. Because Herod had all of these impressive palaces, all of these accomplishments, but he was a hated and a feared man. Uh, if you were here Sunday, you'll remember we, we talked about Herod. And one of the things we talked about was how Herod wanted to stay king so badly. He was paranoid, actually. Uh, in a psychotic kind of a way, that he often was killing people that he suspected were trying to steal his throne. Now contrast all of that about Herod to the tiny village of Bethlehem. The Bible tells us that it was a very small village, one of the smallest in the land. In fact, Micah in his prophecy says that, that Bethlehem will be the least of the towns of Judah. Now, we know that near that village in the countryside, there were, there were tiny little caves like those that you see in this picture. They were used often by, uh, by first century shepherds as stables for their flocks. And it was probably in one of these dark, tiny, stable caves that the baby of Jesus was born. Now what I am pointing out to us here is that the Bible is making for us a deliberate contrast between the castle of the king and the cave of the Christ. And we must not miss this. It's surprising, it's unexpected, but it's true. And what we see next makes this even more clear. It's the second thing I want to point out, and that is the humility of God's gift. I have three verses I want us to see from Luke chapter 2, and there's a single detail that's repeated in each one of these verses. And again, I'd like to invite you, if you would, to read these verses with me. The first one is Luke 2, uh, verse 7. It says this, read it with me. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now what's the last verse, uh, word in each one of these three verses? Manger. Manger. Apparently this is a very important detail uh, to Luke who is the author of this gospel. And we might totally miss the importance of this because of the way that we tend to imagine a manger. We probably, most of us, think of a manger kind of like this Precious moments, manger scene. You know, clean, tidy, you know, everything just perfect. But a manger was something very different. A manger was not a crib for a baby. It was not a bassinet for a baby. A manger was a feeding trough for animals. It would have been filled with hay, some of it fresh, maybe some of it old. There would have been whatever feeding animals leave behind in a feeding trough. In fact, um, little known fact, we get our modern word mangy from this word. Actually, that's not true. I just made that up. But <laughs> kind of makes sense, doesn't it? A manger is not where you'd expect to find a baby. 
And again, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand that, that we're being told Jesus Christ came not to the castle on the hill just outside of Bethlehem. He came all the way down to a cave, and he came all the way down to a feeding trough inside that cave, a feeding trough for animals. It was such a strange thing to do. In fact, that's why the angel said to the shepherds, you will find a baby in a feeding trough because you don't put babies in feeding troughs for animals, do you? I mean, this is so crazy. It's just so weird. And again, the Bible is making this contrast for us uh, between this, this luxurious castle for the king and this very unusual tiny gift wrapping of a baby. Now, when we think about the gift, what was inside this gift when we open it up? And the answer is something bigger than the universe. In Colossians 2.9, the apostle Paul describes the third thing I want you to see, and that is the identity of God's gift. Uh, again, would you read this verse out loud with me? Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That means in Jesus, in a human body, God came down. Some of you may remember this. It's been uh, over seven years ago, October 14, 2012. Uh, a man named Felix Baumgartner broke the world's freefall record. Uh, some of you may have seen it when it happened. He, he was taken up in a, a, a space capsule uh, lifted by these helium balloons that, that lifted and lifted him up all the way up into the stratosphere. And right on the edge of space, 128,000 feet high, he jumped. And he dove all the way down to the planet again. And the whole world just held its collective breath as this man plunged down to the earth's surface. So he, was, he, he traveled as fast as over 700 miles an hour on this fall. I mean, how many of you are afraid of heights and you're kind of freaking out right now? Your hands are a little sweaty, you know, just from seeing this. And, you know, he finally gets to the ground and he lands and it's like, thank you, Lord. You know, I mean, would you do that if you'd made it? Well, I watched this and I thought, in a way, Christmas is about how God made the ultimate leap to planet Earth. He came from far, far higher than Felix Baumgartner jumped, from as high up as you can go from the heavens that he created. God came all the way down into our world, and he plunged all the way down past the palace, all the way down to the very poorest of the poor people, all the way down even to a feeding trough in a cave. Just a tiny baby, just a tiny baby, Sort of like my two grandchildren, Charlie and Lily, when they were born earlier this year. I needed some baby pictures, and I just thought, you know, what's a papa going to do? And so um, got to show you the, the baby pictures. But, you know, it really is true, I believe, that thinking about a real-life baby helps us to get Christmas, helps us to grasp what it means that God came to our planet as a real human being born as an infant. And we talk about a very unlikely wrapping for the greatest gift ever. 
And it raises the question, well, why would God choose to do that? Well, this is the whole point of Christmas. The next thing I want you to see is the purpose of God's gift. And the verse I want to point you to is 2 Corinthians 5.19, which says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's a good word, isn't it? Reconciling is such a beautiful word. It means to bring someone that's far apart back close together again. And Christmas really is the story of that happening, of God coming near, so very near to us, coming to find us, coming to find you, coming to find me when we were so far away because of our sin. In fact, God went even further than just coming to this planet. The good news of the Bible is not that just God was born as a baby, that he became a man, but that as a man he lived a perfect sinless life and one day he died a perfect death on the cross paying the penalty for our sins for your sins for my sins so that we could be forgiven and then God the Father raised him from the dead where he lives forevermore reigning for our sake because he loved us so that we might be made right with God see this is so important Because I think most of us, we tend to think that what we need is what Herod had up in the castle. When what what we really need, all we really need, is what God offers us in the manger, which is his love. So how do we receive this? Well, the last thing that I want to point to you is my response to God's gift. Here are two verses taken from the Gospel of John, the first chapter Verses 9 and 12, John writes, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And John tells us right here how you open the Christmas present that God offers to each one of us. You receive Jesus, God's son, his gift. It's really the same thing you would do with any Christmas gift, right? I mean, if if you were to offer to give me a Christmas gift and I was to say thank you and then I was to set the gift aside and never open it, then what was the point of the gift? If I was never to open the gift and experience the gift, have I really received that gift from you? Of course not. not. That's not what you do with a gift. See, we have to receive the gift that God has, has given to us. And it's the same thing with the Christ of Christmas. If you've never actually received God's gift by trusting in Jesus and what he has done, then you've not experienced what Christmas is all about. So how do you do that? Well, I'm going to tell you one final story. It's a classic Christmas story. It's called The Man and the Birds. Let me read it to you. The man was a kind and decent and mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which churches talk about at Christmas. It just didn't make sense to him, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He, he just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I, I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I, I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite. And he said he was just going to stay at home, but he would wait up for them. And so his wife and the children 
uh, went to church. They went to the midnight Christmas Eve service. Shortly after the family drove away, snow began to fall, and he watched out the living room window as the flurries got heavier and heavier, and then he went down to sit by the fire to read. Moments later, a thudding sound startled him, and then another, and then another, and then another after that. And at first he thought maybe someone was throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the door, he found a flock of birds huddled in the snow. They had gotten caught in the storm, and desperate for shelter, they were trying to fly through his window. Well, he couldn't let them freeze out in the snow, and so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony, and he thought to himself, if I could just get them inside, there they would be warm and safe. He put on his coat. He he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors and turned on a light, but the birds wouldn't come in. He got breadcrumbs out of the house and sprinkled a trail onto the snow to the barn, but again, the birds ignored what he had done, and they continued to flap helplessly in the snow. He tried waving his arms and and shooing them to the direction of the barn, but they only went every other direction but the barn. He realized that they were afraid of him. And he thought to himself, you know, they, they see me as this strange and terrifying creature. If only somehow I could think of some way to let them know they can trust me, to let them know I'm not trying to hurt them, I'm only trying to help them. But but how? He thought some more. And then the thought occurred to him, if only I could be a bird. If only I could speak their language and communicate with them and live among them. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then then I could show them the way to safety, the way to protect them from harm. At the very moment he had those thoughts, the bells of the church began to ring. They were pealing out the melody of, O come, all you faithful. He, he knew the song, and as he listened to the bells ringing out the glad tidings of Christmas, as he remembered the lyrics to the song, in that moment, he understood and he believed. He sank to his knees in the snow, and there, that Christmas Eve night, he received the gift, the gift of Christmas, the gift of God's Son, the gift of salvation. Tonight, I want to invite you to unwrap this gift if you've never done so before. And you can do that simply by receiving that gift, the gift of God's Son given to you, Jesus the Christ, as your Lord and your Savior. This can happen in a very simple way. Really, the Bible says all you need to do is ask God to forgive your sins. Ask God to make you his child. This happens as we realize what the Bible tells us, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we're all separated from God and we need his forgiveness. And so we turn from our sins in repentance and we turn to God in faith, trusting God to forgive our sins, trusting God to care for our lives, trusting God to provide for our needs. That's what it means to receive the gift. Some of you are here tonight, and maybe you were raised in church, and maybe you've heard all of this before, and maybe you've, you've always believed in Jesus in some way, but maybe you know that that belief has never led in your heart and life to an actual moment of surrender. I want to invite you to surrender tonight to receive the gift. And if you'll do that, 
And if you'll pray, there is a real sense in which I can say that a prayer of surrender is sort of like opening a a tiny Christmas present. And inside that tiny little package, you find the greatest gift ever. It's a gift that will truly keep on giving forever and ever and ever. It's the gift of eternal life. Will you receive the gift?